Welcome to Physician Founded, a How It's Med mini-series sponsored by Macadamian, where we get to know the stories behind the leading physician innovators of today. My name is Jeff, and today on the show, we have Dr. Keith Chui, who started in Hong Kong in medical school and made it all the way to the UK with a couple degrees and with his own startup, medwise.ai, which he's going to tell you a lot about later on today. But why do you choose to go into medicine? Yeah, so I think medicine is very interesting, but the initial fascination for me is actually about life because life is kind of like the only thing that we have. And, and I'm fascinated about the study of life, which is biology. Um, and, and medicine is a great way for me to learn more about life and the human body, how it works, how life works. And at the same time, it actually paves a path to really kind of like fix the, I guess, problems in life, which is the disease states and, and, the, and the illnesses that a human could um, encounter. So I, I went to in, into it like really, I guess, wanting to learn more about the human body, medicine, and, and life is kind of more of an academic interest. Um, but at the same time, there's, there also comes this benefit of being able to really help people to live their best lives um, when, when they're pain-free, when they're like illness-free. Um, and I think another aspect that I liked about uh, medicine is that I'm, I'm a keen problem solver. So like being able to use uh, innovative medicine or surgical technique to help solve problems for patients is, is something that I'm, I'm passionate about as well. It's super interesting. So, I mean, you mentioned you're, you're talking a lot about patient care, you know, understanding the pathophysiology, but you don't really talk about med tech. Is there much of a med tech scene in Hong Kong? Yeah. So I, I would say it, it definitely got better over over the years over kind of like the past few years but when i was practicing and and going through med school in hong kong it, it really there isn't a lot of opportunities or, or med tech in hong kong and actually it is through through medicine that i realized that uh, I'm, I'm so passionate about solving problems that i want to make the solutions to solve these problems as well therefore i got interested into kind of entrepreneurship and 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 ended up being a med tech entrepreneur myself. So you sort of answered my next question, which was about uh, what sort of inspired you to get into entrepreneurship. Um, so you're now the CEO and co-founder of medwise.ai. Uh, where did the idea for medwise.ai come from? Yeah. So I think I'm solving a problem that I've personally encountered. And that is uh, when I was a, a junior doctor back in Hong Kong doing um, night shifts, I would be super tired. I haven't had dinner. I still have a lot of patients to see in the middle of the night with a lot of complaints. And I would be like, essentially I would be like alone in the, in the hospital ward and, and, and I would have patients that I want to kind of like care for them. And I would want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for them. Cause I'm still junior. I don't want to make, make mistakes, but what I have at my d disposal is a kind of like small booklet that I carry in my pocket, which is just written by my senior. So it's not even evidence-based is not, there's no kind of like annotation saying like, this is from this research. So, so, or, or this RCT, um, so, but, but we use it all, all the time. And the other thing that I could use is Google, literally just Googling things. And, uh, and that kind of triggered me to think more about how can we make the, um, experience much more, uh, seamless and much better for clinicians and literally giving them the answer they need, um, at the point of care very quickly. 
Um, so that's, that's kind of a, a problem that I, I wanted to solve myself. And I guess just to back to your, your previous question around what inspired me to go into entrepreneurship, I think the, uh, the one, one experience that I had is when I was in medical school, um, um, I saw this patient, uh, in, in his forties, um, who, who came in with kind of like a distended tummy, like a large, uh, uh distended tummy. And he wasn't in a lot of pain. Um, um, so, but, but he does, he isn't really sure what's happening. Um, so I remember the team did a CT scan for, for him. He, he doesn't know what, what his diagnosis is yet. I remember. Um, chatting with him and he, he, he mentioning and calling his wife and, and kids and saying, oh, I, I have no pain. I'll come out soon. But I was scrolling through his CT scan, but he had end stage pancreatic cancer. So it was quite a shock diagnosis to me because I know the, the kind of life expectancy is, is really poor for, for a patient. Um, and obviously the, the, the team would try to do the best to provide palliative care to make uh, the patient as comfortable as possible, but it, it, that, that kind of triggered my thought as to, uh, whether, um, uh, kind of, I realized that there are limitations to what a clinician can do and there are, uh, with the existing, um, drugs or, or diagnostic, um, um, tests, uh, this patient has been missed. Like, can we have a more innovative diagnostic test to detect the cancer at an earlier stage, some screening tests, can we have? more targeted therapy that could penetrate uh, the pancreatic tissue better. Um, and so, so that single patient got me thinking about what else can I do as a clinician? And I realized, uh, that is about making new solutions and, and creating these new solutions that can empower clinicians or empower patients to better, uh, care for, for their patient or care for themselves. I guess one single moment that really inspired me to go into, uh, health tech entrepreneurship. Wait, so. You, you have these two really amazing stories. And then I see this endpoint of Medwise that you just step from clinical work into Medwise or what were the steps in between that led you directly to where you are right now? Yeah. So it, it, it was kind of a journey for me to get to where I am right now. Um, so after medical school, I, I decided to continue to practice and I think I would encourage um, even medical students who are interested in healthcare entrepreneurship, uh, to, to do practice. Cause, um, when, when you practice, you will see additional problems that, that you may not, uh, have realized when, when you're just a medical student and then you, it will give you more insight and problems to solve, which could become uh, viable business ideas. Um, and so I completed, uh, the foundation year equivalent training or a junior doctor training, got my license. And then I went to, um, uh, university of Cambridge in the UK to study a master's in, uh, bioscience enterprise. So it's kind of like a MBA in, uh, life science and healthcare. How do you translate ideas from the bench, uh, to the bedside, be it a new drug or a, me a new, uh, medical device or digital health technology. Um, and, and that was an amazing experience to really allow me to move from a, a frontline clinician to then understand more about the, the business of uh, healthcare and life science and, and medical technologies. Um, and, and afterwards I was a management consultant working on, um, NHS, uh, projects, helping hospitals to, um, improve their productivity. And then I was a product manager at a, uh, digital health unicorn, 
um, called Huma. Um, they do remote patient monitoring and a hospital at home, a virtual clinical trials. Um, that was great uh, learning experience for me as I joined um, when they just raised their series eight round and then I, I left. So, so the company grew from like 30 to like 150 throughout, uh, the, the year that, that I was there. Wow. Um, so great, great experience again. And, um, with all these different experience, uh, kind of like, uh, it, it, uh, having experienced the, these different roles, um, I then finally felt kind of confident enough to start <laughs> my own company, uh, which is uh, still, still crazy. Cause I'm still learning so much like every day. That's, that's fascinating. You've worn so many hats, but you still don't feel experienced enough. But I think, you know, my, my question here is I've heard so many of my friends and colleagues talk about interest uh, in medical innovation. And you've just mentioned that it's important to continue clinical work so that, you know, you can, you can continue to needs identify, but you took that step into management consulting. Tell me about that, you know, uh, that thought process, why that change? And if you could go back, would you do the same thing? Yeah, that's a great question. I think management consultants sometimes have a bad name within healthcare industry that they're not providing the most value. Um, I, I think it, it, it completely depends on how management consultants are being used. I think, um, in terms of, um, the problem solving, they, they have a great framework. Um, and most of the time you do need, um, extra capacity to deliver on some change management program or implementation, um, of, of certain programs. So, so I do think there is value. Um, but at the same time, the, the biggest reason for me to move into management consulting, um, is to transition from, from being a clinician to, uh, being able to deliver projects, communicate with clients, uh, but at the same time, also have a broader understanding of the healthcare system because as a clinician in the front line, you may not be able to see, okay, what's happening in the back office, how, how is a, or, or why is a hospital run like this? How do you manage the estates? How do you manage the workforce? How do you manage the finances of the hospital and, and be, be having, having kind of both the front line, um, understanding of the challenges, uh, as a clinician, but also having and understanding on the back end, on the administrative side, um, what are some challenges there? Then you suddenly see, okay, like, like, uh, when I develop a, a solution, it not only it needs to, um, satisfy the needs of patients and clinicians, but actually it also needs to satisfy the, the fi finance director. Like if, if, if it doesn't generate an ROI, no matter how much quality of care improvement you're providing to the patient. Uh, they may not have the funding so how to kind of like procure the solution. So having a good, I think entering into management consultancy for, for me, it was a, um, healthcare specific management consultancy. So, so I'm not yeah. doing like aerospace or, or telecom project yeah, for me. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> so, so for me, that would, that would not be much of a value add, but, um, understanding better about how healthcare system works is for, for me, it's, uh, it, it's actually a really good experience and, and gave me a lot of, um, uh, better understanding of how, uh, I could potentially really develop solutions to sell into healthcare systems. Yeah. So it, it sounds like management consulting really helped you understand, you know, it gave you the business acumen to, to launch your own uh, organization. But I want to, I want to talk a bit about challenges and roadblocks when you made that switch from being a clinician to now being an entrepreneur. 
what are what were some of the biggest roadblocks that you you faced some of the biggest challenges that you faced for me actually the biggest roadblock is kind of the initial internal struggle because i'm already in medical school i've completed like kind of three years of of training and then suddenly realizing that um like practicing is it may not be my kind of um the the kind of highest passion that I have, like I think my biggest passion is around developing new solutions for patients and clinicians. Um, and you you can do that uh, alongside practice, but at the same time, when I was back in Hong Kong, there there didn't really seem to be many options for me to do that. Um, so for me to really able to uh, chase my passion, I probably need to leave the profession in Hong Kong to to do it uh, elsewhere. So, and that's how I ended up in the UK where there's a lot of, a lot more opportunity, um, compared to Hong Kong. Um, so I think it's, it's being able to convince yourself that that this is really something that you, you, you want to do. And, um, it is an opportunity cause where, um, if you are practicing, obviously you are helping a lot of patients every day. Um, so for me, I've always set the benchmark of like, if I am doing something other than practicing, I want to have more impact than I was just practicing as a clinician day in and day out. If I, I can see 60 patients a day, then what I'm working on, I would, I need to at least impact more than 60 patients a day. Like, like if I can build a, a new drug or a new solution, I think that that is kind of like a, the thing that I often bear in mind. I think I'm very lucky and very uh, fortunate to have parents that support my kind of career change. I don't think uh, even in Western society, uh, not, not a lot of parents are, are that supportive when, when your kids have been through medical school and uh, through all that training. So I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that sense. I'm like a, a huge shout out to mom and dad. <laughs> They're listening to this podcast. So thanks a lot. Uh, making my life easier. And, and then I think ultimately it's, it's also being in the right ecosystem. So, so for example, for me, if I decided to quit medicine and to continue to pursue this path in, in Hong Kong, I probably would have met a lot more roadblock and challenges, uh, but by being in the right place, uh, like coming into the UK, um, kind of like the golden triangle between London and Cambridge and Oxford, there's tons of digital health startups, there's tons of life science startups. So I think, um, it's, it, there's an ecosystem where it's kind of like socially more accepted to, for, for clinicians to move away from, from day-to-day practice to do entrepreneurship and innovation. That's a really like fascinating, clear way in which you've laid out the different roadblocks. But I think the most salient one to me, because I'm at the beginning of my career, um, is that decision as to whether or not to pivot full-time, uh, Mm. to medical innovation slash entrepreneurship, I, I guess you, you, again, you've mentioned the whole, you try to balance, you know, clinical time with medical entrepreneurship and innovation. But my two questions to that are number one, why not just work as a medical consultant with a company, either a startup or a large multinational that is creating products that can rapidly scale their impact to beyond 60 patients a day, the rate that you quoted. And at what point do you think it's a good idea to switch? Do you think it's when you have a good idea or when you have a good team? Like what is a benchmark that you think is a good reference from when someone should pivot from a time to part-time career or full-time, uh, medicine to, I guess, full-time entrepreneurship career. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think there's, 
no kind of uh, right or wrong answer here. So it depends on, on every person's uh, preference. I, I do think that there is a huge merit in kind of the, the roots of being becoming a medical consultant, became, becoming a key opinion leader in your space. And then because you're the key opinion leader, you probably have the experience to really identify something very unique that you, is either patentable or you know. Uh, and, and I think that is a really good way to build very valuable companies that can impact a lot of patients. So I think if I am very passionate about one specialty, which unfortunately like going full-time and trying um, doing more um, entrepreneurship is, is more of my passion. But if you have a specific specialty that you are really passionate about, I think it's probably um, a good career to, to continue practicing um, and then build your credibility um, and then start a company. And, and, and in that way, you probably will be able to raise funding much easier. Comparatively, it's like if you're a junior doctor and you are very passionate about healthcare technology, you jump out, you start uh, a company, for example, a uh, WhatsApp or Slack for doctors um, in a messaging tool, it's much needed. Like, like I, I used to still use kind of like pagers, 100% needed, but like how do you differentiate yourself from all the other um, entrepreneurs who can start a very similar company. Um, so I, I do think it depends on, on every person's kind of like passion and interest, but I think the, a, a good advice that I, I would say is, uh, if you have some idea, just run it as a side project, um, talk to, uh, your, your users, uh, or your customers and kind of just validate it. You don't have to jump in full time. And then you will know at a point when either. Um, the idea or, or the MVP suddenly is it's like you're, you're, you're growing the user numbers so quickly that you don't have enough, your server goes down all the time. Like, I mean, that's a good indication that you probably should maybe quit and, and, and do it full time. Right. Otherwise there may be at some point that, um, you will feel so passionate about it. Maybe you found the perfect co-founder. Maybe you you uh, there's a new technology that you feel like, oh, it finally solved your problem. Or maybe there's a regulatory change that suddenly like everyone will need to buy your product. Um, then suddenly you can, if, if you are, have already built the uh, kind of foundations, your side project have some MVP going, um, then, then again, it may be a good opportunity to you, for you to pivot to full time. So I think there's a lot of ways that, that people will, will end up uh, pursuing their entrepreneurship full time, but, um, but there's no hard and fast route to, to how you can do it. Yeah, you know, on that note around opportunity, there's, we're seeing digital transformation kind of speed up in, in healthcare in part because of the pandemic, but it was happening prior to that as well. So due to that, we are seeing a lot of opportunity in the health tech, med tech space. For those budding entrepreneurs who are listening to this right now, what opportunities do you see out there for them? Yeah, so I think. Definitely kind of the silver lining of the pandemic is that there's massive adoption of, uh, solutions like telemedicine and there's a, a, a very a kind of like increased awareness of how fragile healthcare systems can be. And, and, and it needs a lot more innovation and support to really, um, for, for us to be able to survive the, the next pandemic for, for example. So I think there's, there's huge opportunities. Um, especially to address some of the problems as we've seen, which is a, a mismatch between supply and demand. So there's, uh, uh, there's only going to be increased 
um, demand on the healthcare system with, with an aging population, there's kind of a decreasing supply of healthcare workforce. So the, in the UK, for example, the number of GPs is, has, has been decreasing. There's huge opportunity to build better solutions, like to automate admin process so that we can give back the, the gift of time to clinicians and the workforce and to start addressing some of these uh, supply uh, and demand imbalance. One, one caveat I would say is, although AI is quite hyped and I, I think there is definitely role of AI to play in healthcare. Um, and there's a lot of other technology that, that have been hyped like VR or the metaverse or decentralized software or blockchains and stuff like that. I think it is very important for the budding entrepreneurs to always start with a problem. Don't start with a solution and then try to find a problem. Um, and, and especially if you're a clinician, you're practicing anything that you experience day to day, anything, small things that bugs you, um, why, why, why do we have to do this like day in and day out? Um, and something that, for example, like, it seems like everyone is just accepting it as a, as a, a kind of a day to day thing, but you think that this is a problem, start exploring those, like, cause potentially it may be just because the system is so used to these things like fax machines or pages, like <laughs> there could be other op opportunities there that because you you are practicing, um, you may notice it and you can, um, kind of like turn it into a viable business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on you for that, Keith. Mm -hmm. Why not start with a solution? Why can't we all, all focus on a solution and then go, go to a problem? Because that's actually something that like several of our previous guests have done successfully. Mm -hmm. So what's your thinking? What's your rationale? Yeah. So. For me, I think it takes a longer time to get to market, start from a solution. Um, I, I'm not saying that it's the wrong approach. I'm just saying that it's not my approach or not my recommended approach. I think there are a lot of great technology and, and potentially, uh, so for example, M MRA and a technology kind of that has been there. And then suddenly there's a huge market push of like de um, developing vac vaccines. Uh, for, for COVID. So I think it's very important to continue to have academic research and patents and, and tech transfer to commercialize those research. But then it's usually a longer process for a solution to, to find a problem because, because you have to continuously test and then maybe iterate the solution to finally fit the, the problem. While when we see um, kind of the biggest companies out there, I think they usually start with a problem first and then quickly iterate the solution. And then once they, they have the solution, um, that fits the problem, they just take off. Um, so I think if there are problems to be solved, I think it's a more kind of efficient way um, using human resources to solve problems. Yeah, Jeff, I'm going to agree with Keith here. I think, I think when it comes to, you know, it's, 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 it's business school 101, you focus on the problem as you take as much time as possible to focus on the problem and the solution follows through. So Keith, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one, but just I kick wanna... me while I'm down, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I wanna, you brought up something that I found interesting, which is artificial intelligence. Um, there was a McKinsey report that came out. It, it defines artificial intelligence as the capability of a computer program to perform tasks or reasoning processes that we usually associate with intelligence and a human being close quote. So based on this definition of AI, do you feel AI is making health better? 
Yeah, so I think AI definitely have the opportunity to make healthcare better. By that definition, AI has been around for a long time. So for example, even this run on an ECG to, to help you identify certain patterns, they don't necessarily have the current kind of uh, um, AI or machine learning models. But by that definition, it's a computer program that performs some tasks or reasoning processes um, to, to support the clinician. So I think AI have been, by that definition, AI have been around and AI have been around to make healthcare better for a really long time already. And, and right now we're just seeing more powerful AI with the advancements in um, chips and, and kind of like date, like massive uh, um, collection of data that we can have uh, even more sophisticated AI to provide additional value um, in, in the healthcare system. But I do think AI is overhyped in some sense that AI can't do everything. Um, right now, AI is still quite narrow um, in the sense that it can perform a specific tasks really well um, and it will never get tired and you can run 24 seven. But there are still, it is still kind of incomparable to certain human intuition and, and experience when dealing with especially very complex uh, scenarios. Um, and this is not something that AI can currently do. Uh, we will probably need um, the development of uh, AGI, which is uh, artificial uh, general intelligence, to to be able to do that. And we're 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 quite far away away from that. Although I'm quite excited to see some development, especially in the NLP space, uh, um, where language models behave a little bit like like AGI. So I'm very excited about that space. Um, but I think. Overall, AI is definitely making healthcare better, but the way that it's making healthcare better is by working with clinicians and supporting clinicians and augmenting clinicians so that clinicians can spend more time dealing with what AI is not good at while AI can be run 24-7 um, and to really automate tasks um, that, that a human would find mundane um, to do. Yeah, I mean, you, you sort of touched upon my next question, which was about the sort of the, the cons of AI. Um, it, you're right. It can never reach that level of human intuition. But are there any other cons you see in AI's use? Yes, I, I think this is not uh, a con of AI, but AI, I think, is a new technology that clinicians should be trained to use. So I think if a clinician is not uh, fully aware of how it works or, or how can be embedded in the workflow, um, AI would either be not used or it may be used, um, it may be misused. Um, so we know there's a lot of kind of procedures or investigations that are um, overly prescribed or drugs that are overly prescribed. Um, and this is already, uh, without AI, this is a problem. When there are AI, AI could, could potentially be misused and, and maybe overprescribed as well. Like, and there's over-reliance on AI technologies to do diagnosis or, or screening, for, for example. Um, and we, we need to make sure that we address the um, gap of uh, training clinicians to be able to use AI and to also still be uh, kind of trained to perform well, even without, without the AI and not be too over-reliant. And I also think that we should always uh, bear in mind that AI is there to empower and support clinicians, so, and not there to replace clinicians. Um, and I think there is a kind of still for some uh, clinicians, a fear, uh, which I think is misplaced 
uh, that AI will replace them. And, and I think, um, these are kind of not, not really cons in AI, but I think just, uh, um, challenges for, um, widespread AI adoption and things that we still need to solve. Right. Right. Okay. And now I kind of want to take it back to, to creating business ideas and you've already created one with, with Medwise. What do you do to find inspiration for coming up with a viable business idea? Is there a, is there like a formula to it or what do you do? Do you go for like a long walk or do you, <laughs> do you sit at your desk and take right, you know, stream of conscious notes? Tell me about that process about coming up with an idea. So I think there are a lot of ways to come up with business ideas. I think most of the time I would start with a problem and it would be a, a problem that I encountered when, when I was practicing. Um, and, and that's probably the, um, the most ideas that I come that I have is from problems that I personally encountered. Um, but there, there are additional ways that you could come up with ideas. And I think talking with others, very smart people who are, um, an expert in their space, either in AI and computer vision and NLP, um, or, or in crypto blockchain. So I think just having uh, a community of, uh, innovative people that you can just chat with and discuss and hang out. I think that's a really good way to start to have ideas, um, about businesses that you can turn into businesses by, I think no idea is automatically a viable business. So I think you will always need to develop hypothesis, talk with users, talk with customers, and then to test, um, the idea to see if it is viable or not. And I think that there's a book that is like uh, lean startup. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would have heard of it. Um, it's a very systematic way that you can turn ideas into a viable business. Keith, you're really stealing my thunder here. I was going to ask you what your favorite book was going to be. And Ali, I'm a little insulted that you didn't ask me what my approach to finding business ideas is. And that's walking through yeah, a forest, what is plotting your, into it's, what is your walking book? through and a you forest. You can always ask Keith for another book. I'll do that. But let, hear me out. It's walking through a forest and just consuming mushrooms that I come across until I find <laughs> a great idea. The, That's um, creative. That's very creative. It's, it cer certainly is very creative. But other other than that specific book, I guess, how do you more rapidly identify, I guess, which ideas are, are viable versus not? Because it seems like ideas really are a dime a dozen. Like we see clinical problems every day, but I think the, the choke point here is like identifying which ones to move forward with. Because once you've put an investment, um, whether or not it's of time, of capital, social capital, into an idea, it's really hard to let go. It, you, you've, you've spent a whole bunch of resources on it. So how do you make sure that you most rapidly and accurately identify a, a good idea other than reading that book? That's a great question. Actually, I think it's interesting because good ideas or like things that are obvious will be everywhere. So you, you, you wouldn't be the one that have a, have this unique idea. So for, for example, telemedicine. It's quite obvious for, to a lot of people, obviously a great idea. It needed the pandemic for it to kind of really take off. But in, in that sense, it's very quickly, you talk to a lot of people, uh, they agree with you. Okay. It's needed. Then it's already a viable business idea. But like, I think there is something that is less talked about and it's another book zero to one where being a contrarian and being right is probably um, being considered enough when you kind of try to sort out all the different business ideas, which one would be viable or, or sometimes business ideas will never know whether it's viable or not. So 
until like a, a later stage, but it's about the passion that you have and, and your belief, whether this is, if it is successful, it is, is it a big enough company? Is it a valuable enough company for you to spend the time on? Even if it fails, do you think like it is worthwhile to do it? I think there's a quote from Elon Musk. Um, that says, even if all the odds are stacked against you, but if you really believe it's the right thing to do, um, and it's important enough to do, you should still do it. Even if you're, you think you have a 99% chance to fail, you should still do it just because it's important enough. So I think those are actually some ideas that you should not discard. Like even if it's, you don't feel like it's viable right now, there could be a different business model that you haven't thought of that would make the idea viable later on. And I would say, don't, don't just think bigger, think, think about impact. Like if it is successful, how much impact would you have? Um, and are you passionate about solving that problem and bringing that impact? And then you will work very hard to make it from a not viable idea to a viable business. That's fascinating. And with that. I guess, do you have any pluggables to plug, Keith? Is there anything that you want to bring up uh, that you're working on that you want everyone to know about? Very good question. Uh, so I think I, I didn't have the chance to talk about what MetWise is, so I will plug that in here. Um, so, so MetWise is essentially a Google for doctors. So we're helping clinicians find answers really rapidly at, at the point of care. Um, and we're launched in, in the UK where we're looking to launch in Africa as well, because we're partnered with a, a very distinguished uh, NGO called Global Medic Force, and they do clinical skill transfer, um, usually in person. So they have volunteers, doctors going into Africa and then teaching. And we're with COVID-19, it's very difficult for them to do that. And we're building kind of a digital version of, of a mentor using our AI. Um, so that's a very exciting project that we're really excited about. And we recently got uh, funded by Startup Health, um, which is one of the uh, prominent uh, accelerators program. And we're looking to expand to the US so, and Canada. If there's any listener who's interested, please reach out at keith at metwise.ai. We'd love to chat and see how we can bring our solution um, to your practice or um, organization as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, please download and rate our episodes on whatever platform you listen on. Also, if you have any feedback on what you just heard, we'd love to hear it wherever you listen to or on our website, howitsmed.com. That way we can create better content that suits you. Till next time, bye-bye.